for the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here is Deborah Neiman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. As many of you are moving into milking season after your goats all kitted this spring, I know one of the most common questions I'm going to be getting in the next few months has to do with mastitis. So I am really excited today to be joined by Dr. George McCommon, Professor of Veterinary Science and Public Health from Fort Valley State University, to talk about not only the basics of mastitis and what everyone should know, but also about some research that he's doing on naturally treating mastitis. So welcome to the show today, Dr. McCommon. Thank you so much for having me. This is lovely. So first of all, let's just basically talk about the basics of mastitis. Like what exactly is mastitis? What are the symptoms of mastitis? And you know, when should we be concerned? Well, mastitis, of course, is just inflammation of the mammary tissue, and it can be non-infectious or it can be infectious. You know, if a goat were to be kicked or receive trauma to the udder, that could cause mastitis. But then um, I think what we mostly, you know, think about is when we have a bacterial infection, and those range from anaerobic to aerobic. Uh, They can be septic. We can end up with gangrene which we don't really see gangrene that much in um, goats, but that is an issue with cattle. And goats are actually, they're not as bad as cattle. Cattle are really bad because if you think about dairy cattle, I mean, most of the time it's swampy, it's a lot of muck and manure, and the teeth sphincters get dilated, and next thing you know, you've got an infection. Whereas goats tend to be pretty healthy with things like this. The symptoms in general, the udder is going to swell, be hot. There is a California mastitis test where you basically have a plate and you can squirt the milk onto the plate and you can see if you have flakes in it. Sometimes we'll even have blood. It depends on the severity of the condition as to how it's going to present. There are conditions where they do become septic or gangrenous and in which case the udder will actually be cool. So, but generally the average goat with mastitis is going to have a large swollen udder and it can be both halves or it could be just one single half. That's so interesting that you mentioned, because everybody always thinks like, oh, if they have mastitis, their udder is going to be hot. And I talked about my experience with a cold fluffy udder in our um, session that we did on hypocalcemia because I mistakenly assumed that the goat had hypocalcemia because she was laying in the corner and her kids were jumping all over her. And when I felt her udder, it was cold and floppy. Like she had like, was not producing. And I checked her temperature and it was low. And so I mistakenly thought it was hypocalcemia. And at that time I didn't know like, oh, if you give them calcium, they should respond really quickly. And unfortunately then she died um, like about six or eight hours later. Mm. And I was just so confused. Like, I'm like, I, I did what I was supposed to do. And so I had a necropsy done and they said mastitis. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So in that situation, if you treat for hypocalcemia and they do not respond, then that's not it. You need to get to a vet and find out what it is. So other than that, like if your goat has a cold udder, how would you know it's mastitis? Well, a couple ways. 
probably the most common is the California mastitis test or just simply squirting the milk, preferably onto a black plastic plate. Normally they're plastic. And um, seeing if you have flakes, seeing what's in it. Sometimes that can be a little bit tricky. Sometimes it can be hard. And blood work generally doesn't help you. Generally, the CBC is probably going to be normal no matter what, unless it's a really bad problem, in which case things may not work out well. But you are correct. And you do have to be careful, particularly if you're using IV calcium, that we don't give it too fast, that you can actually stop the heart if you give it too fast or too much. So, But if you're doing oral calcium, you should not have that problem. Right. So if you use the CMT and you find that your goat does test positive for mastitis, then what should your next step be? This were um, traditionally, there'll be intramammary where you actually go into the teeth canal and actually place the antibiotic inside the goat. You can also milk the goat fairly frequently if you just keep milking the milk out. And, and always, if you are in some sort of operation where you are, using milking machines and you're not just raising goats, but you want to make sure that goat's milk lasts. You want to make sure that everything's kept clean. Uh, do not feed that milk to, you know, some people say, oh, well, we'll just feed it to the other kids and we'll all be fine, but you don't want to feed the contaminated milk to the other kids. Um, and then there's always antibiotics. I mean, you can go right with antibiotics. Those are the traditional methods, keeping it milked out, you might want to give some oxytocin, you know, make the milk come on out. And uh, then whether you put an intramammary, you know, process, which they do make commercial products, or you use antibiotics. I mean, you know, I think it's something like oxytetracycline IM is always an option. And what we're looking at is using probiotics, both orally and potentially intramammary, to avoid the antibiotics, we don't have um, antibiotic residuals in the milk. It should be less expensive, and it's just going to be all around healthier and more organic. Okay. So quick question about the symptoms, because I just thought of something. I mm -hmm. used to see a lot of people say, oh, if they have mastitis, their milk will be salty. Of course, that means you have to taste it to know if it's salty. <laughs> and... I, I like, I don't know, that just doesn't really sound like that would be like a recommended um, method of diagnosis. I would, I would, I, I think there are probably other ways. I, I, I agree with you. I, I just don't see that that's really, I mean, it may be perfectly true. I mean, I, to be quite honest, you know, we were laughing about things that you never really thought about, but I have heard that too. But at the same time, I really don't know if that's true or not true. You know, I honestly have to kind of defer to you on that one. Actually, I do know it's true because I accidentally consumed mastitis milk one time. Okay. Well, um, we've, only, we've only had three goats in 20 years ever have it. And this was back when my teenage daughter was here. And I got up one morning and I went downstairs and I fixed myself a bowl of cereal. And I had opened a brand new box of cereal. And I was like, oh, this is awful. They spilled the salt in this cereal. And then like half an hour later, my daughter comes in and goes, oh, by the way, I think Viola might have mastitis because her udder feels really hot and hard. And I was like, uh, was that her milk in the refrigerator? So I tell people, they ask me, I'm like, okay, I've drank it and I live to tell the tale, but I really don't think it's recommended that you actually drink it. 
And I like what you just suggested about checking to see if there's any flakes or chunks in the milk. Even if the udder's not hot and hard, you should still see those chunks. And we used to have a strip cup that had a screen on it, which was wonderful. We used that for years until the screen just completely rusted and fell out. And then I never replaced it. But it's one of those things that's kind of on the to-do list. Like, oh yeah, I should get a new one of those. Those are nice when they have the little screen. And, um, and you know, the paddle doesn't, I don't even know what a paddle costs. I mean, it's a couple of dollars. I mean, it's not, right. it's not expensive. Yeah. So let's talk about your research now. Tell us a little bit about your study, um, when you started and what exactly you're doing. Well, we, when we first started, it was 2016 and we went through a cycle of 2016 to 2021. And then we started again on the next cycle in 2021. And um, what well, the first, we actually went and identified the various bacteria. First, we did it where we did the, which antibiotics were working and which ones weren't. Um, we were doing this in a plate and we were just using, you know, there's a dairy goat facility here. Then we looked at probiotics actually in the agar and saw what was working there. And we came up with several, which were still kind of in the process. That's where we are now is trying to find out which probiotics work the best and how best to use them. That's what we're looking at right now. What are the different ways that you've tried using them? Orally and intramammally. So what kind of probiotics are these? It's probably not something you can just pick up at the farm store. Actually, some of them you probably could. Um, probably the oral ones, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. ma'am. And you can get those. And we're trying to really find out which ones work. And, you know, it's like anything else. We're trying to find out what actually works. And we don't want people spending money on things that don't work. Um, I always use the example of... Um, you look in a feed catalog and there'll be an entire page of vitamin C for horses. Well, horses produce their own vitamin C, so you really don't need that. That's not really helpful. But that's what we're trying to do is find out what works and what, what is the most economical and efficient way of getting it into the body. Okay. So what have you found so far? What are the results you've had so far with that? We've narrowed it down to about three different ones in, um, Right now, I'm not real comfortable saying which three, you know, we're hoping to get it down to where we, we know one and that um, we can actually, you know, we'd be back in touch. We'd love to get back in touch when we had some real concrete information, just as you said, we're starting the milking season. So this past winter, we really were kind of, we weren't producing like, you know, so we didn't have our product to really go with. So we're, we're starting back really basically probably first of June, we're going to start really getting some things going with the lab. Right. So is this the kind of thing, is it something that people should try yet or wait to see um, a little more on how it goes with your research? I would think that if you had a, a goat, and as you said, you know, goats are not particularly susceptible to mastitis terribly. I mean, just as you said, in 20 years, you've had three cases. I mean, but um, you will not go wrong with any of the oral probiotics that you see at the feed store. Okay. You certainly won't hurt anything. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, that's good to know. I know we recently had a doe that um, we weigh all the kids daily for the first couple of weeks. And we had a doe whose kids, um, we expect them to gain four ounces a day. And sh- her kids only gained an ounce or two. 
And, and when my husband told me that my first thing was, oh my gosh, check her udder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said one side of her udder was very hard. He said, it's not hot, but it's very hard. Um, he goes, and I can't get milk to come out of it. So it was Easter Sunday, <laughs> like everything's closed. And, I, and I'm like, I don't have anything here, you know? Um, and so I said, okay, well, let's try some peppermint essential oil and some olive oil, rub it on her udder, leave it for about 30 minutes, go back with a hot washcloth, yes. put that on there, see if you can get the milk flowing again. And he did. And so it's like, whew, okay, we're good. But that also brought up another question. And that is because I found my CMT stuff. And there is no expiration date on it. I did a lot of Googling, (laughs) trying to find a reliable source. My thought was, if there's no expiration date on it, it's not going to expire. Is that true? Uh, The Brom Crystal Purple is, um, I don't think it really goes bad. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, ours all have NED, no expiration date written on them. So... I think as long as you store it in some sort of reasonable manner, I I think it's pretty much good for years. Okay. That's great to know. So I can keep using it with confidence and not think (laughs) it's going to give me a false negative. Yes, ma'am. All right. So are you expecting then like within another year or so to have more um, results from your research? We, We hope to have a lot more. Really, we hope to have more certainly within the year. Certainly within the year, we hope to have some more concrete um, results that we can pass on and really get out there. We really want to. And that's why I'm so thankful for your show and your podcast, because, you know, we want to get the information out there. and We want to get it to, you know, the people that are actually going to use it and need it. So, you know, I think I think shows like this are super important because you really do spread a lot of information and gets it out to people that want to hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I love our listeners and they're always sending me suggestions, which is great. And like I told you, I think before we started that mastitis is like one of the most requested topics that I've had. So I'm super happy that you were able to join us and talk about this because I know it's something, even if people don't have it, they worry about it every time something feels a little off with the goat's udder. Well, and you're exactly right. And, you know, with mastitis, Subacute mastitis seems to be, to me, is almost worse because you're not really having the symptoms. You don't realize, you just realize that maybe everybody's just got a little bit of mastitis. And then depending on what kind of operation you're running, you may be just infecting everybody. And it's just everybody's just got a low level and everybody's at subpar performance. Just as you were describing the kid that was only gaining an ounce a day, um, there's subpar performance and then it can be really measurable that if you have a really big milking operation that little bit difference could be the difference between making money and not making money yeah and i know we were on milk test for eight years and then after our children grew up and left it just got to be way too much for my husband and i to try and handle doing that every month but like i still view this as like one of the biggest mistakes i ever made that doe that died of mastitis never should have died because she had mastitis early in her last lactation. And I treated her and the symptoms went away, but her SCC counts kept coming back from the lab sky high. Mm -hmm. And I ignored them because she had no symptoms. 
And, and then she freshened and two days after she freshened, she's like in the corner mm-hmm. with a cold udder. So when they, you know, the necropsy came back and said she had mastitis, I just felt horrible, you know, because it's like, oh my gosh, I should have, should have done more in her last lactation, you know, when I saw that her SCC counts were still high. And so I think that's actually a really good argument for doing CMTs on your whole herd on a somewhat regular basis. Like, would you say that's a good idea? I'd say that's a great idea because you are going to have those that are just very subclinical. You're not really noticing it. You know, the udder is not big and hot and hard, but we are, you know, you do have an infection and it's just, I always compare it when I'm talking to my students to like an Olympic athlete, you know, he has just a little bit of a cold. That's the difference between him winning the gold medal and him not, you know, I started out life as racehorse veterinarian. And that was one of the big limiting factors was you'd have these young horses, you know, two, three, four years old. And it's like daycare. You take them, all the young guys, you put them all together right next to everybody and everybody coughs on everybody. So everybody has this little low level infection that, you know, it's the difference between winning the race and losing. And the same with mastitis with goats. It's, and, you know, the other thing we always talk about with goats is parasitism. And a lot of times you just have low level parasites throughout everybody. Nobody's really sick. Nobody's dying. But there's that low level performance. You've got that decreased performance. And I really think subclinical is always one of the most acute areas because we all recognize the broken leg. You know, you can see that, but do you really see that there's just a little bit of mastitis? Do you really see that there's just some worms? You know, like I say, subclinical can be the difference between making money and, and not making money. Right. If yeah. that's your goal. <laughs> right. Or even, I mean, just to make sure that your goats aren't costing you mm-hmm. too much because, you know, I tell people like, you should be able to come out ahead. It's like, even mm-hmm. if you just want goat cheese and stuff, cause mm-hmm. goat cheese is really expensive. So mm-hmm. like your animals should usually be healthy and producing at their optimal level. And if they're not, you know, try to figure out why. You're exactly right. And it's just getting everything to that optimal level. You know, some industries, everything, the, the profit margin, if you will, if that's what you're going for, can be so tight that uh, can be very, can be problematic. But, but then there's the other side of that when you go, when we talk about getting them to the optimal level, when you kind of overdo it and you're spending so much money on this and you're spending so much money on that, you know, then it's hard to, to make a living with it. Yeah, exactly. I know the, my first five years with goats, I spent a fortune trying everything under the sun mm-hmm. and ultimately it came out to copper deficiency. And, and in the meantime, I spent a small fortune purchasing everything else in the world that had the word goat on the label, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, to help them um, with all of the different problems they had with fertility and parasite resistance and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until we figured out like, oh, this is the problem. Like, this is the one thing we need to fix and all the rest of it will be good. <laughs> and it's so true. Sometimes, and sometimes it's hard to find it. Sometimes, you know, it's so easy. Common things happen commonly. And so it's so easy to kind of, you know, just jump to a conclusion. But sometimes it is something a little more complicated, something out of the ordinary. Yeah. And, and a CMT is really cheap. You buy that bottle, it dilutes out to a gallon, which oh, yeah. 
could last. Now we know it'll last you forever. Um, you don't have to worry about it going bad. So you're not gonna have to throw away half a gallon or something. And so like, I know I really liked when we were on milk test, it was once a month, I would get this report back that would say what the SCC was. And so I always kind of thought that like, well, if you did a CMT once a month, you should keep a pretty good handle on things. Um, does that sound like a good idea? It does. And since you're I'm assuming you'd be doing each goat individually. Yes. You know, if you're doing that, then you get to kind of really identify that um, goat one is absolutely great, but goat two has a little low level mastitis and, and there's an issue there. Maybe we need to look at goat two and see if we're doing something wrong. Or if you notice that everybody has a little problem, then you really know that you need to kind of change something that you're doing. It may be something as simple as, just animal husbandry. Yeah. And I think when it is at that subclinical level, like I know I feel a lot more comfortable trying alternative things, you know? So like mm -hmm. if it did look like, oh, she's got a little touch of, of mastitis, she doesn't have any clinical signs yet. That to me would be a good time to say, let's try probiotics and see if this makes a difference. I agree. I think that's exactly right. And, um, and also you're not out a lot of money. You're not having to stop milking or depending on what your operation is. And that's one of the beautiful things about probiotics. You can keep milking, you know, it's, it's a natural product. So you're not going to have residues. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you think people need to know about mastitis that we haven't discussed yet? I think this is great. And we really hope to come back and give you some, some results and some definitive. Um, I just feel uncomfortable right now saying something. Then six months from now, I go, oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know. But, uh, but no, I think it's just wonderful that you have a program like this, that you get information out and, and somewhat of an underreported area. You know, there are a lot of people with goats and the goat population of the, the United States definitely just keeps getting larger and larger. And there are a lot of, a lot of people that are very interested in it. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, like there's so much information online. It's over 20 years old. Mm -hmm. It's completely 180 degrees away from what we now know is correct. So it's really exciting for me to, to be in a field now where there's so much research happening and it's just constantly changing. Like we're really starting to learn a lot about goats now. And I mean, you know, when I think about things, when I graduated from school many decades ago, I've, I've started telling the students, I no longer measure a thing in years. I measure them in decades that um, there are things that I was taught that really just weren't necessarily a good idea. And um, not just about goats, but about other animals. And then um, now there are things that we do that it's very different. So Yeah, exactly. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to having you back in a year or so when you've got your research completed. I will look forward to it. I very much will. Please Great. stay in touch. Definitely. And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit ForTheLoveOfGoats.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash lovegoatspodcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.